3: They are who we thought they were. And we let them up, the I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut
2: up. Let's go scatter to the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y stick C
1: The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt.
0: Well, I'm going to go to college. I'll just play football.
4: Hey, let's go. Hour number two of the show just began. Did you notice? It sure did. We're now underway in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes are your local Farm Bureau insurance agents in all 82 counties here in the state. Somebody you can talk to one-on-one, face-to-face, cell phone-to-cell phone. Text them. You know, it's just you have that personal touch when you have your insurance with Farm Bureau. You should. Give them a shot if you haven't already. Also staying connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire. Customer inspired. Hey, on that question, do you know where your coach is? You know, and I was just saying, it's a little bit, you know, kind of, it's not like I'm emotionally involved in this uh question it's a little bit devil's advocate but i do think it it was an honest thought before we started the show today and i brought it up and that is you you could look at this and go well why haven't these new coaches in the sec been out there more and i will say this you go well where are they where are they you know where have they been why aren't they gobbling up every interview somebody would give them and kind of dominate the exposure during this time well i will say this about Mike Leach at Mississippi State, and because this is a fact, we could go back and track it. Uh, Mike Leach was everywhere out there doing interviews. He came on this show, y'all remember? We had a fun interview with Mike on this show, and uh, he's done a bunch of interviews on, um, you know, this station. And then the controversy over a tweet that was. Not in the slightest any kind of racist intent, but it got turned into that or at least to a degree anyway. And that kind of ended that for a little while. And I'm sure it made that part of, you know, the the process difficult for the sports information staff and everything. But he was out there a lot prior to that. And, And. And the folks at state are very, very proactive in. You know, communicating with media to make sure, hey, if you need a coach, you let me know and we'll get him for you. You know, if you want to talk to him, that kind of stuff. They're very good at it. Um, coaches are different. People are different. Different priorities. You know, in regards to Kiffin, I just don't know. You know, I was told at one point there was a long list of people lined up to do interviews with him. He kind of had to get on the list. But where are they? Which What, what interviews? You know, I think I've seen where Coach Kiffin did the—I uh, mean, did a a big show like Colin Cowherd, but I don't know that he's done any others. You know, and he may just not enjoy doing it. He, you know, maybe he doesn't. But it just seems to me if we're going to make four or five million dollars, and I'm taking over—if I'm Lane Kiffin—and I'm going to make four or five million dollars, and I'm taking over a new program that's got nowhere to go but up. And the way we're gonna make our way up is to recruit. Okay, and I have a name and a face that people like to see and hear. Then during this time, you got nothing else to do. If you're laying kiffin, you're not coaching, you're not lifting, you're not working out, you're not meeting, you need to be talking. But hey, man, maybe it's not needed. <clears throat> And maybe I'm the idiot. It wouldn't be the first time. I do. Uh, I, I was going to mention this earlier to you. I told you there was a little bit of news out there. It's primarily in the recruiting world, but for those of you us who follow SEC football, it's probably when when this happens. It may be a name you're going to have to figure out a way to tackle him down the road. This is Auburn in this case. ESPN 300 quarterback Dem, Demetrius, Dem, Demetrius Davis the, uh, Demetrius Davis, the fourth ranked dual threat quarterback in a country, announced yesterday that he is committing to Auburn. He is from Texas. He's out in the uh, Houston area out in Texas. And, again, fourth-ranked dual-threat quarterback in the country. He has led North Shore High School in Houston to consecutive 6A state championships. You know, you're winning 6A titles back-to-back years in the state of Texas. You're good. You're good. (laughs) Let's see. Including a 2018 title. Received national attention for the ending on a Hail Mary. He's choosing Auburn over a list of finalists that include LSU, Texas A&M, and Virginia Tech. All right, so there's Auburn quarterback news. Here's continuance of Alabama quarterback news. Talia Tongavaloa, tongue twister, transferring to Maryland. You know, we had the story last week that Tua's little brother... With Tua gone, Talia is going to greener pastures somewhere. So we knew he was going, and we just didn't know where he was going. And uh, he has chosen Maryland. Mike Loxley, the head coach at Maryland. It right, says so one quarterback you won't be dealing with in the SEC, there's one that you potentially will uh, be dealing with in the SEC at Auburn. Potentially, but not yet. Hey, um, there was a link that I I came across on uh, Facebook. And it goes back to Jake Wimberly, the host of The Drive, here in the afternoons on 105.9 The Zone. And it led me to his website, College Football Hourglass. I clicked it because I thought, now this is interesting. We hear the word culture all the time. We hear the word culture, but it's this intangible thing, right? Like, and and coaches are searching for it. How do we develop good culture? And and again, it goes back to chemistry. And, you know, it has a certain connotation. Well, Jake is smart guy, numbers guy, stats guy also. And actually there were graphs that I could look at pictures You know, I'm terrible with numbers. I can't do numbers, never have been able to do numbers, but I can look at a graph. And if you, if I look at a graph and it tells me that the orange line is your five year culture trend. And I see that that is way above the baseline for having positive culture. That tells me you got good culture, but what I want to know is how we come up with this. So let's just talk to the smart people. And in this case, He's on your radio right now as we speak on the Divini Equipment phone line. Jake Billy Ray Wimberly. What's up, Jake? <laughs> Matt Wyatt, how are you, sir? Hope uh, your money's well. Yep, so far, so good. We're off to a, a rip roaring start. Um hey, side note, this is I know we're gonna talk about the SEC West, but the University of Florida system, the board of directors, uh is having a meeting next week and then all the universities have to submit their plan to the board of directors of how to get back going. They submit their plans on June the twenty third. And I think that's a sign that Florida Gators athletes will be back on campus in July. What do you think about that?
3: Oh, I think that's fantastic. And I mean you're seeing the SEC in, in Florida in particular lead the way in this. I mean we saw that way that the uh, you know state of Georgia and the state of Florida has opened up, and it looks like uh, you know hopefully the state of Mississippi will follow. And if they can do it, and I, and I feel like they can do it, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of times we get uh, in the private sector and, and, and places like that we get labeled as we we need a little bit more assistance. But people are smart people, like yeah. people like Scott Strickland and and uh, John Cohen, and you know these guys are smart people. They know how to do this, and it it, uh, it tickles me to be honest with you to hear that college athletes may be about to be back on campus getting ready for the fall.
4: Yeah. In Florida, for instance, in Miami, the Marlins are welcoming their players back to their training facility. They, they can't use the whole thing, but they can come back tomorrow. So things are starting to open up. All right. So it might mean that we're a step back closer to college football. Jake, I saw your link at collegefootballhourglass.com. And you're measuring culture trends in the sec west how do you define i mean like a culture trend what are we talking about there
3: okay so this is uh, and i'm gonna try to lay this out as as uh, i guess easy as i can yeah and hopefully it makes sense coming out of my mouth <laughs> so several years <laughs> ago i got to i got to look looking at this when i started really diving into numbers and this has been about eight or eight years ago when i started doing this looking at what other people were doing and then trying to craft my own numbers and then i would always scratch my head at a at a place like, you know, say USC right now with Clay Helton, why are these guys not winning? Why are they not winning at a high rate? They should be winning at a high rate, because if you look at recruiting, and we know that recruiting numbers aren't the end-all be-all, but it's pretty darn accurate. These these evaluators have become pretty good at
4: mm-hmm. labeling,
3: you know, five stars and four stars and such. So we see Alabama's been able to play at a high level, and we see Clemson, and why not USC? And then we go over to Tennessee, and remember Tennessee, you know, coming off the end of Phil form or where they are today. It's just, mm-hmm. why can Tennessee not win at a high level they've got really good players or at least the recruiting rankings tell us they have really good players so i got to look and it's got to be culture and you know what made me think about that is if you go back into the tennessee issue and i'll use them as an example you remember the t martin scandal uh, on on campus and then you remember the grade scandal and you can pick a a college or university that's, that's gone through some downtrodden times and typically there's some stuff there so but what we don't know is typically what everybody's culture is like for instance we don't know if there's any off the field issues we don't know you know it's, we're not privy to any of that information but we what we can do is we can figure out that okay culture when we say football culture match you know this it's not necessarily like culture as we define it in society um although it does bleed into that to some degree um you, good football or football players that come off good teams will tell you man we had really good football culture mm-hmm. um you just watch the whole jordan thing they had really really good culture there with michael jordan um, you know, you look into uh, a place like Alabama and Nick Saban's good culture. So what what I did is formulated some numbers, and I got to looking at it and saying, you know, if, if a team, let's take Wake Forest, for instance. Wake Forest over the last 10 years, they have, uh, five out of the 10 years, they've, they've gone to a bowl game. They've mm-hmm. gone six and six or better. Mm-hmm. So six and six, and then you look at their recruiting numbers, and their recruiting numbers are in the mid-50s. Well, that tells you that's about an average team. They should be about a six and sixteen. The way I flight numbers, you know, if you're in the top 20, you should be a seven, eight, nine win team. Okay. Uh, or better. You know, if you're from say 20 to 40, you know, you're going to be on the six to seven in trend. And, you know, if you recruit outside the fifties, you better be playing in the, in, you know, a, a G five conference or you, you better not be in a, in a power five conference or you're not going to compete. So anyway, you set the floor at say six and six. Well, if you're floating around six and six and you're recruiting in, in the fifties, then you've probably got pretty good culture. I mean, you're winning and you're ma- you're maxing out your, right. your roster talent.
4: So you're pointing out a Wake Forest example that it – like something I would call slightly overachieving is kind of what we're talking yeah. about there, right? Absolutely. Okay.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, if you look at a team like – let's just step in the state of Mississippi. I mean, look at Dan Mullen and what he did and, and all you ever heard about Mississippi State and Dan Mullen. is Man, that's, that's good culture. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they have really good culture. They work hard they develop well and you look at mississippi state's recruiting rankings and typically even though some of the schedule may lend to it they did a really good job scheduling non-con non-conference games to where they could probably win those they they exceeded their talent whereas if you look at joe moorhead and you know it's not for me you know way more the ends as far as you know the intricacies of the program there because you're around it more than i am say on a daily basis but you heard rumors of, hey, you know, they got a little soft, and then you kind of saw it on the field. They looked, they didn't look like the same Mississippi State team under Joe Moorhead. Mm-hmm. And even though they had really, really good players two years ago, guys that were, you know, four stars, a couple five stars, that they they underperformed. But you started hearing grumblings about the football culture. So while we can't necessarily get into what may or may not be right or may or not be wrong. We can. I think that we can identify through numbers that, hey, yes, this football team's culture is trending in the right direction or it's trending in the wrong direction. If you'll go to that article, CFBHourglass.com, and you look at LSU, it's a great example. LSU has recruited inside the top ten forever. Forever mm-hmm. they recruited inside the top ten. And if you go back five years ago, that gets you to the back end of the Les Miles tenure at LSU. You can see on one of those graphs, you can see where what I've defined as culture is there's a big divide between the culture and the recruiting, Mm -hmm. which tells you that they are, they were not meeting the expectations of that talent that was coming in. And you see over the, over the, the five years, that gap closed and you see it bust the seams this past year. Now, a lot of that can, can be, you know, laid at the feet of Joe Burrow and the way he played. And we'll see, you know, how LSU recovers from a new quarterback and a new OC and a new DC, but, it really, what you can say about Ed Orgeron, and you hear it from the fans, you know, you can kind of do the eye test on a lot of this too. Yeah. Um, you hear it from the fans, you hear it from the players. They love it, They let, love Ed Orgeron, excuse me, everybody in, in the state of Louisiana. I mean, the guy could run for governor and probably get it. <laughs> yeah. So you would have to assume LSU has really, really good culture.
4: Yeah. And uh, Jake Wimberly on your radio right now. And, you know, I, I'm, I love these graphs. You're a numbers person. I love seeing it visually where i can see according to to your metric if one of these western division teams you know has been above the baseline for positive culture or if they've been below it some have actually been below it and we can point to those yeah but but it's interesting i have talked about auburn for years jake going nobody goes through roller coaster rides year in year out like auburn does and, but yet, I couldn't really pinpoint it and, and exactly say it just right, just up and down. You know, they're national championship contender one year, the next year, they're three and eight and they fire their coach. Well, I look at your graph, and if we extrapolated this thing on out over years and years, their, you know, year over year cultural stability, according to the graph, would look like the letter M over and over again, up and down and up and down and up and down.
3: There you go. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Auburn has a bunch of bad players. Yeah. Or Auburn has a bunch of knuckleheads. You know, it, culture can go, and, and you guys know this, culture can be one or two bad apples that spoil the whole bunch on the team. It can be, take Texas, for instance, Texas, uh, and Texas A&M, you know, you hear about booster involvement, way too many, too many guys trying to make the shots. You know, you can go all the way into the boosters, all the way outside the team. I mean, it can, it can cross many, many miles of, of, you know, variables, so to speak, on what, what makes a good culture, what makes a bad culture. Mm-hmm. You know, there's stories out there of, 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 Nick Saban when he first got to Alabama, basically telling everybody to kick rocks and we'll do this my way. Mm-hmm. And if you remember before Nick Saban got there, Alabama was kind of on that M roller coaster that yep. you're defining. You're right. And then Saban gets there, the culture in air quotes changes and the rest is
4: history. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to look at it. Um, if y'all are listening and you want to see what we're talking about, you can go to CFB, as in college football, CFBHourglass.com. And it's the latest article there about cultural stability. I find it fascinating because, it's Jake, it's trying to put numbers to the idea of culture. So on that note, part of these graphs and deciding where a team is, is the, quote, baseline for positive culture. So how do you come up with a numerical value for baseline for positive culture? i got like two minutes.
3: Sure. Baseline for positive culture, this is going to seem extremely elementary, but we try to keep it that way. And the graphs (laughs) are are there because most people, myself included, if I can take a look at it, I can explain it better. Baseline for positive culture, Matt, is if you have a, a team that has recruited um, regardless of your conference, let's just say on average in your conference, you should finish no no worse than six and six. Hmm. So six and six really sets the floor, the baseline for positive culture. If that makes sense, that's kind of where I defined it. Is it six and six? If you've got marginal talent and really good culture, you should finish six and six every year. Now that's 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 about average. Yeah. For instance, if you take Ole Miss and you see what Ole Miss did, they were way above the baseline when Hugh Freeze was coming out, you know, going out the door. And then they just plummeted. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of that has to do with the NCAA and things of that nature. Um, so Lane Kiffin inherits a, pl- a, a place where he is going to have to try and has been doing so to redefine it in his name and his culture, same way with with Mike Leach, a culture that's trending down. Arkansas, you can look at the same thing. And, and that's typically when things get rock bottom. That's when uh, administrations make these changes.
4: Mm-hmm. Really interesting stuff. If you're a football fan, but especially if you like numbers, you like being challenged, and you like to look at graphs that could explain what you're seeing on the football field, I encourage you to check this out. Jake, uh, good work, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you.
3: Hey, thanks, Matt. Anytime. I appreciate it. And, look, I'll be putting out stuff on the SEC East and some of the other big boys, just so we can take a look at it and see how the trends—the trends may tell us a little fortune telling into the into the near future.
4: Do they say that Florida is about to catch Georgia?
3: Uh, I am working on the SEC, so <laughs> I'll have that out this week. And let me let me say this, Dan Mullen, definitely moving in the right direction.
4: And a boy, thanks, Jake. Talk to thanks, you soon. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know what? And I had not done Jake uh, Wimberly. You can hear him this afternoon. He's got his own show, obviously. Drive time afternoons here on 105.9 The Zone. And so y'all tune in. Kind enough to come on. I just saw that link. I couldn't figure it all out. and And I'm still reading through it. I do find it fascinating, though, working to put actual numbers to the idea of cultural stability inside of a football program. And he started with the SEC West. Alabama was the best, followed by LSU. Auburn third, A&M fourth, Mississippi State fifth, then Ole Miss and Arkansas, and they were kind of in the red in that they had bottomed out and have to kind of work their way back up. Speaking of Dan Mullen, let me ask you all a question. You all can text me your answer or call. At Mississippi State, he didn't often beat many teams that had better players than him. What about at Florida? Is he doing that at Florida? I'm going to look at the schedule and see what we come up with next. Might as well. We can do whatever we want. It's our show. I'm Matt. He's Beaver. And you're here. It's all that matters. Stick around. back on the show i'm matt in the farm bureau studio farm bureau go the home team so real quick uh, let's see dan mullen at florida two seasons under his belt overachieved for the most part at mississippi state built the program into something that's what he did with a lot of help, sure, but he was at the controls. He was the skipper. And so that is well-documented in this state. I don't have to say a lot of that. We know all that. From where he took over to what it was when he turned it loose nine years later, it was pretty doggone phenomenal. Really good job. Okay. But in that time, the one thing, you know, like they didn't, they got to number one in the country one year but didn't stay there, didn't go win a national championship. Um what else? Had another chance later, played in a, a you know, a New Year six or two, but kind of up and down a little bit. But the thing that kind of held him back during that time was not a lack of consistency. I mean, stayed under Mullen was very, very consistent. I mean, it was a huge feather in their cap. They they had a level of performance. They walked out there and they put it on the line at the at the same level pretty much every week. But what it led to is there were very few times where they were Buster Douglas. I mean, were they ever? I mean, knocking off LSU in 2014, that year in Baton Rouge, was that it? Really, what was the huge upset for Dan Mullen coach teams at Mississippi State where he was Buster Douglas and they knocked out Mike Tyson? You know, the the type of game where, like the Hugh Freeze Alabama games at Ole Miss, right, knocking off Nick Saban in, in Oxford and Tuscaloosa. He was Buster Douglas, and Saban was Tyson. But what's the example of that for Mullen? I don't know that you had him. And so, you know, I thought, okay, the one thing that's going to take Florida to a national championship under Mullen is he takes the next step. Yeah, they're going to recruit better at Florida, but he's going to have to beat teams that have better talent than him which he didn't really do much of at state. Well, in two years at Florida, just real quick, and then I'm coming to the phones. Last year, at LSU, LSU had better players. LSU won the game, 42-28. Florida-Georgia game. Georgia had better players last year. Georgia won the game. I would point, I mean, Florida beat Auburn last year when Auburn was ranked the top 10 team. Florida beat them 24-13. Did they have better players? Everybody else they beat last year at Florida, Florida had better players. Miami, UT Martin, Kentucky, Tennessee, Towson, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Florida State. That's their wins. And the one outlier might be Auburn. They're kind of on equal footing. What about year one at Florida? Dan Mullen's team. Georgia had better players. Georgia beat them. 36-17. Kentucky probably had better players year one at Florida. Kentucky beat them. First time in forever in Florida, 27-16. They also had a head-scratching loss to Missouri that year. But Dan Mullen won at Mississippi State in year one. State had better players. He beat a team with better players. He beat Mississippi State. I would say once, maybe twice, because that year they also beat LSU. Year one under Joe Burrow, Dan Mullen beat LSU in Gainesville, 27-19. So there might actually be two examples of Mullen teams beating teams that had better players. Two examples of those in, in the first couple of years. But that's where they are. So they want to make the next step. They've got to beat LSU and Georgia consistently. And right now, those teams have better players. Here we go. Lots of phone calls to get to. Let's line them up. Chris, you're first, and I appreciate you hanging on. What's up, Chris?
1: Good Lord have mercy. My ADD brain, I can't listen to Jake. I don't know him, but I can't listen to him. That's why I don't listen to the afternoon drive. Could well, you please you, break that down? Because he <laughs> was talking five hundred miles an
4: hour. Well, and he knew that he knew that because he prefaced it when I asked him the question. He, you know, numbers. There's a reason that Jake uh, does a lot of the statistical work and writing the numbers on a website is because those are hard on the radio. I just found it fascinating that Chris what he what he's done. He's looked at recruiting over a period of time and looked at results. Over a period of time, you know, compared to recruiting, to to figure out what is the cultural trend. Are you overachieving? Are you where you should be, or are you underachieving? And that's basically what it is. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, I ain't saying that he ain't brilliant because I think he's pretty smart. But, Dad Gum, you got to talk so fast. Well, and I've actually called him out on his show. <laughs> it's like, what in the world? <laughs> I can't listen to this. Well, but the other so. thing,
4: too, is, Chris, he does radio, so he knows when that commercial break is coming. And if you're trying to get a lot of information in, you know that music's about... To. And on my show, we can't move the commercial break to whenever we want to. We can't push it back. It's coming. And it's going to start whether we shut up or not. And he knew that. So you got to talk fast.
2: Did you ever...
1: Did you ever... Did you ever... um Put on your radio that Stuart Reese was in the in the transfer portal because uh, I never
4: oh no. I
1: never knew nothing about that because that was one of the people I was actually looking forward to seeing back on the field this year and then all yeah. of
2: a sudden I see he's at Florida.
4: Yeah, see his brother already plays there. His brother is on the team at Florida. Um, he's got one year left. Stuart Reese, you know, has played a lot of football on State's offensive line and played as a freshman. He's very good, but I do believe Chris. Oh, I know. I do believe this is one of those things where it's a system deal. You know, Mike Leach's offensive line is going to be in pass pro all day. They're going to have huge splits on that offensive line. The, the offensive lineman in Mike Leach's offense at times will be so far from each other while they're when they're lined up that they can't hold hands. They can't touch each other. That's how far apart they get. And – you know, Reese, with one year left in his career, I guess just wants to play in a system where he's going to be in a zone-run scheme. He's going to be pulling, running downfield, blocking linebackers, and um, instead of making a a change to being a, a wholesale pass blocker. And I guess, you know, maybe that's what's behind it.
1: I just wondered if it was another effect of the Mike Leach thing. Yeah. And then also, um, you know, also too – When you see Daryl Williams, which was a great lineman at Mississippi State, just get disrespected like he did this year in the draft, I kind of wondered if some of the guys were like, "Uh uh-oh, I better go somewhere else where there's more recognition to where I can actually get to the NFL. Yeah. But
4: anyway, y'all have a great day
1: and all.
4: Chris, if either of those are true, first of all, number one, nobody uh, did, has, or will be transferring because of anything Mike Leach tweeted. That is a misnomer. It's just a lie. So that's not possible. The other thing is if if it's a well, as an offensive lineman, I need recognition. Well, buddy, you play in the wrong position if if what you're looking for is recognition. Thanks, Chris, for the call. Appreciate you. Gator Greg on the phone. What's up, Greg? Good to hear from you. Let me let me see.
2: Uh, first, let me, let me, you, you, you made some good points. You know, I would, I would say, uh, when you, last year, when you have to play LSU and Auburn, Mississippi West, you know, you played LSU kind of down the wire through interceptions end zone. They, they made you pay. You lost 42-28. So, uh, they probably had better players. I don't know Florida played them down the wire last year. Mm-hmm. Probably, uh, other than, uh, what, uh, Auburn probably played LSU better than anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh the year before they beat him in Gainesville. So LSU had better player quality win. I would probably look at Auburn last year. Auburn's a top ten recruiter. Mm-hmm. Florida's probably a fringe top ten recruiter. I think I think Auburn had better players if you look at more players drafted in NFL defensive sure. players. Yeah. I think that was a quality win. Yep. Uh, I think you can even go back to Michigan in the bowl game the first year. Michigan's a top ten recruiter. They beat him in the bowl game. Uh, just lost five games in two years, mm-hmm. uh, two of them to Georgia, what, one to LSU, and then you slipped up against Kentucky and Missouri. You know, those are the bad ones. Uh, I would even say going back to Mississippi State, Mr. White, I remember one year, I think I was at that game, didn't Dan and, uh, Nick Fitzgerald spanked LSU 37-7. to 7.
4: Ran him He's out of there. LSU. Yeah, dominated yeah. the second yeah. half. It was a real slow start. That was 2017, Greg. It was a slow start, and then just ran him out of there in the second half.
2: Okay. would You uh, you would agree with me. I would have thought most people would have said LSU had better talent, and they beat them by 30. Yeah. I think you got to also to why when he was at State. Look I at, think in reality – hold on, on
4: real quick, Greg. I think in reality – in reality, in 2017, LSU didn't have better players than State that night, in reality.
2: Okay, I would even say, e- even, let's look at, we could go back, you could tell me who got drafted that year, mm-hmm. LSU or State players. I'm also going to look at his record against A&M and his record against Auburn. You, uh, I remember the year, what, A&M was ranked number four coming mm-hmm. in there. Yep. they blew them out, beat them 35-28. I, I, I'm going to back up my coach now. He, though he was your former coach, but I'm going to back him up. Yeah. And then uh, the Auburn years. I think the year you did 2014, obviously. But uh, some of those years, you'd probably have to say Auburn probably, probably 60 70% of the time had you would consider better talent. His record against Auburn and A&M, he's beat LSU twice, and I didn't beat Alabama. And he uh, I think that would probably – I would say he, he he did have some big wins. Yeah. But 37-7, to 7, I don't care even if it, that was LSU's worst team mm-hmm. and it wasn't less miles than five losses this year. Yeah. You beat them by 30 points, uh, that's an impressive win with that talent. Yeah. That's why you're doing a great job. Uh, let's see if Dan can step up this year. Uh, you got what? We got uh, Ole Miss and uh, LSU from the West. We got LSU and Gainesville and Oxford. If you can go 2-0, let's, let's try to win the other East games and try to get
4: Thanks, Greg. We got a split. Great call. Y'all stick around. Greg, if you're listening, appreciate you calling. Good to hear from you. All right, back on the show. Wrapping it up with you here on this Monday. Tomorrow's going to be a special Show got some stuff planned for you uh, tomorrow that um, a while back, several people suggested and asked for. Number one, uh, all I'm going to say is I'm just going to give you a hint. Number one, a little Andy Griffith and number two, not the show, by the way, but the guy, Andy Griffith. And number two, a little Jerry Clower on tomorrow's show. All right. All right. So listen up. All right, here we go. Uh, Let's see. The country-pleasing text line, 885-ESPN, 601, number 885-ESPN. Unnamed texter. Hey, Matt. said, I don't know if you get the MSU channel on your cable system, but last night I uh, watched you in a game you played at Scott Field. It was great to watch you and get to hear Jack announce the game. Miss hearing you do the baseball games this spring you're so right about picturing a person and then seeing them and they don't look like what you thought they would <laughs> happens all the time. Thanks for the text. Really appreciate it. Tyler says talking about, uh, the Kiffin example of he's just kind of been nowhere since, uh, you know, the, the shutdown, uh, Tyler says to take, uh, your Kiffin example a step further when does Cohen let Leach out of detention so he can resume social media activities? Uh, I'm actually told that that was a Mike Leach decision to uh, just take a little time off on the social media stuff. It wasn't a deal where he was made to do it or even asked to do it. Uh, Unnamed texter said Tennessee's recruiting has had zero impact offense, or zero impact linemen, especially defense. You can't compete in this league with 25 skill guys every year. And then he said, somebody get that last caller I hooked on phonics and just disguise it as a promotional giveaway. <laughs> Jason in Flagstaff says, I tried to call. I think Beaver hung up on me. Well, maybe the signal cut out. Beaver would never hang up on you, Jason. Uh, he says, number one. I educated Jake on Florida, especially, and particularly Dan Mullen the other day. Number two, Mullen beat plenty of teams with better talent. Judging by recruiting, he should have never beaten Florida, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, or those Ole Miss Cotton Bowl teams. Yeah. You know, and I think um, in in my head, Jason, I'm looking at it in terms of reality. Uh, Generally the NFL draft stuff is a pretty good indication of reality in terms of talent, not recruiting rankings. And, um, okay. And and let me qualify that statement. I am not saying that there's nothing to recruiting rankings and they're all false and it's a big pile of, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. They, they, For kids coming out of high school, they do a lot of good. They get a lot of things right, especially the highly rated prospects. But part of that is, you know, you take a guy who is a legit five-star type player who at 18 years old, you can look at him and tell in three years he can play in the NFL. He's just that much better. You know, he's just that much better. You know, I mean, like the five stars are the easiest to spot. Everybody can spot them even the high four stars, there's a lot of hit and miss, you know, recruiting rankings really do tell the, Oh, do they? I mean, it's interesting. Like people use the teams that win the most as their examples to prop up recruiting rankings, but they don't use Texas A&M. They don't use Texas In those examples. Find me the teams that lose that recruit well, and then let's prop them up. You know, it didn't work. So the, the point is, it's one gauge. To me, Well, that NFL draft is a whole lot better gauge. Mm-hmm. Because, see, they're actually spending millions of dollars on hiring these guys, not just hundreds of thousands on them coming out of high school. Yeah, I said it. Okay, and they're doing their research, and they've got more body of work to judge them by. And so when you look, you know there are a lot of um, senior-led upperclassmen teams that Mississippi State that they had guys just, you know, knocking the draft over. And even though those some of those LSU and Auburn teams, they had the recruiting rankings. Well, frankly, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't really dominate state in terms of guys going in the NFL draft. Certainly not their upperclassmen, which every college team is led by. Um, you know, and that's like a you know a perception versus reality thing. If we were to go back and use 2017, uh, the game that Greg brought up, 2017 Mississippi State versus LSU, State beat them by 30 points, 37-7. So it was an even game for about 20-25 minutes, really the first half of that ball game, a real even game. What was it, 10 to seven at halftime, or 13 to seven, something like that? Um, on the surface. Perception. What was it? Well, they be the LSU, and LSU uh, recruits better. They're a more talented team. In reality, they really weren't. Yet the SC, yet, you know, Toughest quarterback to ever put on a maroon uniform, leads the SEC all-time in rushing yards, best rusher at quarterback the SEC's ever had. Multiple draft picks on defense. First-rounder Jeffrey Simmons on defense. And if we fast-forwarded to the next two NFL drafts, I got news for you it it was not lopsided in terms of of talent I mean it really wasn't Um, so you know we can generally find examples to um, uh, to back up what we want to Uh, and, and there are always exceptions to all of these arguments too there's always an exception or two. It's just like Florida. You know, looking at Dan Mullen at Florida, we go, well, he has, right? He beat LSU two years ago. LSU probably had better players. He beat Auburn last year. Auburn might have had better players. Yeah, but his first year, he also lost to Missouri and Kentucky. You know, right? See what I mean? Like we can really nitpick on that stuff. Jason in Flagstaff on the Davini Equipment phone. What's up, Jason?
0: That's <laughs> much. There was a. First off, there was an LOL in there. So I, know, I know Beaver didn't hang up on me. I was <laughs> picking on him. Good. And, uh, the thing with Mullen was uh, what Jake was talking about. It, he was all, he was never going to beat those teams based off of recruiting, but what he did beat them in was that culture thing and developing players. His LSU and et cetera, they all had team, players come in that were pretty much ready to go to NFL if they hadn't ruined them. Hmm. And Mullen did the opposite. He took guys that were never going to make the NFL, and then he coached them up to to play in the NFL and play well. That's that's the culture that Dan Mullen brings with him to Florida.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I, I told people when he took the Florida job, that um, they were going to see an immediate difference in mm-hmm. their football team from a strength and conditioning standpoint, yeah. and yeah. and they all now talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think yeah. everybody that's Florida fan kind of realizes and sees that. And and Jason, it is a it's it's just a matter of time before he wins that division. Yep. You know, they'll do it. It's. At Florida, you Mm -hmm. can do it, and he's going to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. The question for me is, is he going to do it when Georgia is up? Or is it going to take Georgia going down, you know, like this year? Like this year. Florida's loaded with upperclassmen coming back. Georgia is bringing in a transfer quarterback, okay? And let's say he gets hurt. And now you're going to play yeah. a five foot eleven backup at quarterback, right? So, yeah. is that what it takes for Florida to jump into that title game? That's just the point that I'm making on it.
0: I don't know, but really quickly, uh, what I think is going to happen there is the first two years uh, he was there, he still was getting rid of that culture. The the, the uh-huh. coach, I think he's at South Carolina now. I can't remember his name. McIlwain. That went. Yeah, he won the SEC East with no offense at all two years before Mullen, and then he went four wins the yeah. next year. Got fired, right?
4: And and Georgia and was, was South
0: Carolina. That was
4: the end of Mark Rick, and the division was not very, yeah. not very good. Yep, yeah. that's it, Jason. I appreciate and Florida, you
0: calling. I, Trouble, I think. All right, y'all take yeah. it easy.
4: All right, thank you. Uh, the music's about to start, and um, hey, and speaking of Jamie Newman at Georgia. The quarterback that is transferring in there from Wake Forest, he's a really intriguing athlete. Y'all look him up and look some of his highlights. But when you do it, think about this. And if I say it, then your opinion is forever going to be affected by this. But it is amazing to me the similarities between Jamie Newman this year at Georgia and Kelly Bryant last year at Missouri. They are the same size. They were the same style of athlete, played in the same similar style of offense in the ACC. Both of them transferred to an Eastern Division team to go play for one year. I mean, the similarities between the path and physically, Kelly Bryant and Jamie Newman, it's it's really close. All right, see y'all tomorrow in the Farm Bureau studio. See you then see
2: it